Uh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Oh, uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. It was a dark of the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10, about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, Pigpen, this here's a rubber duck, and I'm about to put the hammer down. How many of you remember C.W. McCall Convoy from like the 70s? Back with Freedom Speak, Becca Marie here at 96.9 FM. 700 AM KDAZ, and I'm here with Jay Block and his fiance Chrissy. So you had a, a convoy story, didn't you, Jay? Well, my mother was a truck driver, and I, I hear that song, and I think of these terms. I remember, you know, of you know, uh, you know, hey, ten four, what's your copy? Uh, Smokey the Bear at mile marker, That's you know, right. one seventy eight. Yeah. You know, I'm heading to you know uh, Bean Town or wherever. Bean Town, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how uh, many the, how many of those CB slang terms do you know? You know what the rocking chair is? Do you know what it is to be in the rocking no, chair? No, I know what the doghouse is, which is between uh, the seats in the in the cab. And obviously, you know, sleeper, uh, flat uh-huh. flat nose, Peterbilt. I know what a reefer is. Um, you know, just um, it, there's so many different little trucker terms. It was pretty interesting. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. rocket And they have some slings and... for what they're hauling as well. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I went on, uh, you know, several trips with my mother uh, as a kid, and it was... I bet that was fun, huh? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, my mother, you know, she liked to have her country music just blasting with her CB blasting and a cigarette in a cab and... and um, you know, uh, you know, yelling at what she called four wheelers to get out of her way and stuff like that. It was, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that. So yeah, I guess it was kind of fun in a uh, way. Yeah, and eating at truck about, stops. You look back on it. It's yeah, like a lot back. of time when you look back on things, it's like you have fond memories about them, even though at the time it's like maybe it didn't seem so great. But then you look back on it, it's like wow, you know, yeah, that was pretty yep. good. Yep. It was I'll, memorable. I'll, re- I'll always remember some. You always trips. remember it. Yeah. 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 Yep. You know, one thing I wanted to mention before I go into these questions I was going to ask is that this, we mentioned this Durham thing that's going on. It's yeah, like, the special I, prosecutor, right, the special I, counsel. Right. And, I, you know, I was thinking, I was starting to think it's like, okay, this guy's just, he's he's not going to do anything. We're never going to hear from him again. But yeah, apparently he really has been working. And apparently he's starting to round up some of these little fish. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping these little fish turn on the big fish. Well, you know, it, uh, the only question I has is, why the hell didn't the Mueller report identify this? I, I mean, don't we, know. We, that thing cost like thirty-five million dollars. Right. It was, it was going on for a couple of years, and then why didn't Comey's FBI identify this as well? I think that whole Mueller report thing was just well. You know, a scam. that's that's my point. Is that you know, it just fed into the narration of uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. Right. That's the reason why Trump won the election because it was all Russian collusion, and now we're seeing. No, it, it isn't. And people have been talking about this for a long time. And then you hear, you know, uh, you know, people like Adam Schiff, who's a complete scumbag, saying, oh, right. we, we got the smoking gun. We got the smoking gun. And and, uh, you know, like, um, uh, uh, geez, I forgot the other chairman there uh, from New York. Um, what was his? I can't stand him. Um, 
I mean, they just lied so much uh, about. Um, totally. Yep. And, and I really miss, you know, seeing guys like uh, at the time, Congressman Collins from Georgia, Trey Gowdy from South Carolina. I like Trey Gowdy. Nunez from California. On Fox News. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really strong conservative leaders who shot holes in this argument. And shot I'm a holes big fan of Jim witness. Jordan, too. Yeah, Jim Jordan's a great Oh, and, one. and Kennedy from Louisiana. I love John, that guy. Well, yeah, oh, my God, what a yeah, character Senator, he is. I was, I was talking about the congressman, but, yeah, yeah. John Kennedy's a great one. Um, you know, I was listening to Ted Cruz question the Secretary of Homeland Security the other day, and it's just remarkable. Um, you know, I, I don't understand how this narrative lasted so long with all the holes blown into it. But, you know, you know that's the thing today. Um, there are no secrets. And things will eventually come out, and we see it now. Unfortunately, it's come out, you know, five, six years later. But the whole thing was a complete farce, and I think this is going to seriously affect any talk of a Hillary Clinton uh, run for office, uh, run for president in 2024. I would love to see Hillary in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah, I mean, she should be—I I can't imagine charges not—what those charges would be. I don't know. I'm not an attorney. They're going to do their darndest to sweep it under the rug. Absolutely. They, they really are. And it's yeah. like so often you see— Especially these Democrats, well, they'll just get away with everything, and and they just sweep it under the rug, and nothing ever happens. Yeah. Whereas if it's a Republican, well, Republicans for the most part hold their own accountable, regardless yeah. of whether it's to their favor or not. Democrats know they'll circle <coughs> the wagons to these mm -hmm. people, and regardless of whether they're guilty or not, they'll circle the wagons, they'll cover it up, uh, and they will defend them to well, the end. I I will say, it, at least the Democrats finally came around with here locally with. Um, Cheryl Williams Stapleton and what she did. And then we had, I don't know if you saw the news this morning or not, but a state rep was arrested for aggravated DUI this morning, a Democrat state rep. Nope, I uh, missed that one. Georgina Lewis, I think her, her name is. So we'll see if the Democrats um, call on her to resign because when the state senator, uh, Martinez, um, was arrested for ramming, uh, rear-ending another vehicle, um, for and he was drunk, DUI, I called for him to resign immediately. You know, when Monica Youngblood here had her issue... The Dems called for her to resign uh, as well. But, you know, it's just political, ridiculous uh, um, uh, hypocrisy. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. All the time. Yep. Yep. So I guess we'll go into the question and All answer right. session. Bring, bring, okay. Bring All right. So we only have like 30 minutes left, so I'll be uh, quick with these. Yeah, we got my, yeah, close to 45. Okay. Yeah, So because we started a little late today. Right. So. But so. No hard questions. No hard ah, Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't do softballs here. Yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to cover the elephant. It seems like everybody's got an elephant in the room, so I'm just going to knock that one out right away. Okay, so a um, lot of people were disappointed when they had the impression that you were supporting Manny Gonzalez in the Albuquerque mayor election. Yeah. Okay, so did you or did you not... Uh, say that you endorsed him. Uh, I did not. So there's there's two photos running around out there, and I you know so here here's what happened. So Eddie Aragon and I are are very good friends, right? Uh, okay. And you know this, and this is from and I'm going to give you my phone there. Yeah. But there are two there are two pictures. There was one picture from February 2021 of Manny in my house. You remember that picture taken, right? Uh, I don't know if I saw that one. Okay. Then there's okay. that one in June. Okay. So, um, Eddie Aragon, I supported Eddie Aragon for his run for mayor, his previous run for mayor. Right. I supported Eddie when um, he, in the special election for CD1, I supported him there. 
Um, Eddie and I have uh, a, a, a personal friendship and we have supported each other on a couple personal issues that were going to remain private. So when I talked to Eddie about the race, he said he was not running. Right. He was not running for mayor. He was not going to run. Mm -hmm. So we had two candidates, Manny and uh, Tim Keller. And I had Manny over to the house in February of 2021. There was a picture of him and I. He was, I think he might have been in uniform. Uh, and we were shaking hands and I said, <coughs> excuse me, hey, you know, um, this is somebody I can work with. Manny is the law and order sheriff. Uh, I love my law enforcement. I will talk to anybody. I didn't endorse Manny. I didn't endorse Manny in this one either. Um, because I, I felt at the time, and, and I still do, that... Um, uh, Manny would be a better mayor than Tim Keller by far. I'm not going to argue that point. I, I agree with you there. Yep. I, so, I think almost anybody would be better than it, our current it, mayor. Ex exactly. Yeah. So when Eddie got in the race, which I was not expecting because I did tell him, I said, hey, look, I'm going to support Manny. And Eddie just said, I'm not getting in the race. Okay, got it. And uh, that's really how that went down. Yeah. I helped Eddie with that race, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And well, I will say, I have worked with Democrats in the past. You know, when it came to passing a Second Amendment sanctuary county, mm -hmm. um, I, I worked with our Democrat uh, county sheriff, and one of the county commissioners is a Democrat, and we passed that Second Amendment sanctuary county. Uh, you know I'm the guy that started right to work around the state. You know that. I got it done in my county first. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked with Democrats in McKinley County on the county commission. There's three county commissioners, all Ds. They passed it. Two of them did anyway. So I have worked with Democrats in the past, but I'm not compromising my conservative principles when it comes to that. So okay. that's, that's my answer on that. So Eddie, Eddie and I, you know, we, we still talk. I was on his show, I think, like two, two weeks ago or three Right, weeks. I heard that one. Yeah, about two yeah. weeks ago. And um, this, this is such a dead issue. Yeah. It, it's, you know, that, that's what it is. It was a, it was a picture. Uh, I didn't do a formal endorsement. I said, hey, if you're not running, Eddie, this is the guy I'm supporting. Eddie's like, I'm not running. Then Eddie runs. It put me in a bad spot. Right. Put a lot of people in the bad spot because a lot of Republicans jumped on Manny's bandwagon because we could not find a candidate to run. You you know this. Yes, I know. And then when Eddie went in there and decided to run um, late in the year, it really put a lot of Republicans in a bad spot. And I'll leave it at that. Right. Okay. Well, I'm okay with that. So am so I. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, the other day, Pastor Smotherman yep. came out and made the statement that the current candidates for governor are weak. How would you respond to that? Well, he's absolutely right about all of them except me. Okay. Absolutely, they're all weak. <laughs> um, you know, I, it, and it's true. Uh, you know, you have um, the current... And, and listen, you know, you're always told don't talk about the other candidates, but I'm going to talk about them because they're 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 weak. Okay. Any one of them would be better than the uh, just the horror show that we have up in Santa Fe. Oh, my God. Yes. Let, let me just say that. Yeah. But um, I don't think any of the other candidates could beat MLG except me. You have a weatherman running who has no experience at all except telling you if you need to wear a sweater the next day. He's already lost. Uh, a statewide election. This is a guy who did nothing, Rebecca, for our conservative movement unless he was running for office. He came in my house in early 2020 looking for me to endorse him. I didn't endorse him. I endorsed Elisa Martinez in the primary mm -hmm. because Elisa 
has been working hard for the cause. Ron Ketty said, you know, uh, there's polling out there that I can beat Ben Ray. I'm the only one who can do it. I gave up my job. I can't go back. Everything turned out to be a lie with Ron Ketty. Uh He, He did go back to his job. The polling was wrong. He didn't beat Ben Ray. He lost by six points. He was an awful candidate because he, he, he's probably more suited for the Senate than, than running for governor uh, because he has no experience at all running for governor. He's using, you know, the, the just most hated um, consultant in, in New Mexico with Jay McCluskey, um, who's just very divisive. And uh, Ron Ketty is not getting a lot of support because they're seeing this guy has no experience. He's just, a, you know, pfft. yeah, no experience. And I could say something else, but I won't. And then you got a state rep who's under, uh, she's got two or three different ethics complaints that are moving forward. She has an atrocious record when it comes to a conservative record. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, some other issues uh, come up uh, as well. Uh, she is not a strong candidate at all. And then you got Greg Zanetti, who, who I like. And the only thing I have with Greg Zanetti is Greg has never won an election before. He ran for lieutenant governor, didn't win, ran for governor, dropped out to go manage money for Bill Gates. And now he's back. Uh, Greg is a um, he's a very smart man. He's a fellow veteran, and I, and I respect Greg. But none of them. But Greg Greg is not a fighter. Everyone knows that Greg is not a fighter. He's he's a guy that is he's very collegial. Like you know, if I was taking a class after lunch, and he's my professor, I'd probably fall asleep. <laughs> but he's but Greg is smart, and I respect Greg he a is lot. He's very smart. Yeah, 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 smart guy. Um, you know, Army officer, I'm an Air Force officer, mm-hmm. and, and I respect Greg, but, but Greg doesn't have it. It's that simple. So, when it, so Pastor Steve is absolutely right about those people, but when it comes to me, I have the leadership in the military, in private industry, in elected office. I've never lost an election, and you know this, that I am known as the fighter out of the group. This is why President Trump asked me to greet him at Air Force One. I have gone around fighting for right to work. I've gone around fighting for our Second Amendment. These other people weren't around doing any of that stuff. They talk about it, but they weren't there. They're were either sitting in a, sitting in you know a studio doing the weather, or, you know, managing money, or, you know, uh, doing unethical behavior in the roundhouse. Right. So there you go for that. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. That's it. Yeah. Let's see. What about? Um, I mentioned this briefly earlier. How about these homeless encampments that are popping up all over the oh, all over goodness. the state? I mean, it's 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 a disgrace, and it's like <coughs> we're not enforcing laws. No. And it's like who who's responsible for these laws not being enforced? Is it the sheriff? Is it the is it the Albuquerque police? Is it the local? I I don't I don't know what the. It seems like it's mostly centered around Albuquerque and Santa Fe where this is happening. But you've got these homeless encampments. You've got you've got panhandling on every street corner. You've got all this going on, and it's like camping in the city is not legal. So, why is it being allowed to continue? Well, there's a couple. So here's my take on it. Um, you, we have all these laws on the books, but do we have the resources to enforce those laws? I, I would say I would say no. I would say you probably need um, you know more law enforcement here in Albuquerque. Um, the problem is there's a record number of people that are leaving the force or retiring. Last year was the deadliest year for law enforcement. Um, you know we have violent crime is so high here. I think there's probably talking to police officers is a priority of calls. I don't know where a homeless encampment is on the on the priority. 
I would imagine when you're responding to a murder, a rape, armed robbery, a domestic violence, um, DUIs, those probably have a higher priority. Uh, and then you only have a finite amount of officers. I think this country has done a huge disservice when it comes to the mental health in, uh, in the United States. You know, we ended up just dumping out um, people that needed a lot of help in the 80s and 90s because we thought if we just put them in society, they'll integrate and all will be well. That's been a complete failure. And me as a pro-life candidate, I look at these people, they have value. If you're a pro-life person, you want to help them and get them the help that they need. Now, um, up in Sandoval County, I, I, you know, I run a jail. I do the budget for a jail. And our county jail has turned into a mental health facility, and it shouldn't be. So when I think of the mental health people here, I think some of them are violent and need help, and they commit crimes, but a lot of them are also vulnerable, and they're victims of crimes. Um, we have to get them, if we truly value life, human life, and we believe that every life has value, they deserve to be helped. Now, uh, there are certain things um, in regards to it, um, do they want the help? Are there people that are just there and they don't, that's the life they want? Okay, fine, whatever. That, that's, that's, that's your right, but it's not your right to break the laws of vagrancy and things like that. But I really think that the government, the taxpayer, needs to make a large investment when it comes to solving the, the, the problem of mental health. Um, this is, mental health to me is really the true epidemic in the United States, as well as drug addiction. And same thing with, with that, you know, we're finding that um, we're getting these um, addicts in that are detoxing in, in the county jails, and that's not the place for it. There's so much that needs to be done when it comes to homelessness and addiction, and we're, we're not doing it by just throwing them on the streets and letting them either be victims of crime or they're a violent and shouldn't be on the streets. They should be an inpatient facility where they can get treated and, uh, and go from there. So I, I think we have to invest heavily um, in inpatient and outpatient mental health treatment. And I think if you can do that, it might actually um, curb the homeless problem a little bit, but you also have to attack the substance abuse and drug addiction as well. Yeah, totally agree. An interesting thing that came up the other day, and I'm not going to mention names here, but there was a uh, candidate that was formerly in the Republican Party, which is no longer in the Republican Party, that has been making statements suddenly now that uh, saying that the Republican Party is full of rhinos and we're a bunch of rhinos. Now, I, I take exception to that because I'm certainly not a rhino and, and neither is uh, Audrey, which I've been working with. She's certainly not a rhino. Uh, Audrey Trujillo is nowhere near a no, rhino. No. And, you know, what I have seen is, yes, has the Republican Party been disappointing over the past uh, years? Absolutely, it has. But we're trying to change it. And that's why all of us have gotten so involved. That's why we have now a full complement of delegates, because those of us in the freedom movement have gotten involved. We filled all those spots. Matter of fact, we had more, like you had mentioned earlier, we had more people available to fill those spots than there were spots. I barely slipped in as a delegate at large because there were so many people to fill the spots. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you say mm -hmm. that because at the county convention, one of the gubernatorial candidates, Mark Ronchetti, couldn't even get elected delegate out of his own ward. That's, I heard that. That's, that's how much, I mean, he has no respect from anybody. Nobody likes him. 
So just, you know, ugh, nobody likes you. But <laughs> getting, getting back to um, what you're saying here about rhinos, there's an interesting movement here in New Mexico. And what I say about, what I say there is there was a school board election in Roswell. And there's a group down there called the Concerned Citizens for New Mexico. And they put up three candidates to take out what they call three rhinos on the school board. And they took two of them out. Yeah. And they're also going after city councilors. So there's this freedom movement, patriot movement, concerned citizens movement, whatever you want to call it. Uh, There's a movement out there to take people out at the ballot box that are not listening to the people. Uh, You had a state rep also from Roswell, Phelps uh, Anderson, who voted for that abortion bill, if you remember, last year. And then he left the party and became an independent. You're seeing more and more uh, people that are getting involved and waking up saying, I thought Republicans were supposed to be conservative. I thought they were supposed to stand up for constitutional rights. I I thought they were supposed to stand up for individualism, for life, for liberty, for opportunity, to get government off our back. And these people are getting targeted. And the establishment is very, very worried. And I think the establishment and the Republican Party, because there's two factions of the establishment, they're very nervous about what's going to happen in Ruidoso on the 26th of February. Because there's a lot of delegates that are, I'll call them patriot or freedom delegates, that do not like two of the candidates that they view as establishment candidates that have shown their establishment candidates. This is why I think I'm going to win this convention, because they see Jay Block as the guy who's independent from the establishment. Um, you know, the establishment I don't think really cares for me much. I don't really, that doesn't bother me. I'm that not, may be a good sign, actually. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I am, I am here to get a job done. Same thing up at uh, Sandoval County. You know I've gone after Republicans and Democrats up there. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to serve the people to get a job done, and then when I'm done, I just want to go back to my private life with Chrissy and my two cats <laughs> and, and live my life. I'm not here to make friends. If you're here to make friends in politics, you're not doing your job. You are there to serve the people. It's that simple. Yeah. And, you know, we do have people in the Republican Party, and I'm not going to mention their names either because it'll just, yeah, that are working against us. And you probably know who those I, people I, are, too. I, I know who they are. And, you know, yes. let, let me just point out, there's, there's one state rep up there who I'm very close to. And she's a patriot. She's fighting hard. And that's Stephanie Lord. Yes, she is. Stephanie she's Lord. in my area. Yep. Now, her and I have disagreed on one or two votes. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what. I have never questioned her patriotism or her conservatism or her love of uh, the state of New Mexico and the United States. She is there serving her constituents in the East Mountains. And, and she is doing a phenomenal job, and she should be reelected, I hope. She works really, really hard, and I know her personally, and anybody that goes after Stephanie, I'm sorry, you are, uh, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. She is a big-time patriot, and she fights hard every day. When she, whenever she goes up to the roundhouse, she's working hard to try yeah. to put forward bills that are going to protect our freedom and liberty. And, and what else can you do? Yeah, same thing with um, another state senator up there, uh, Dr. Greg Schmetti's. Greg yeah. Schmetti's is a guy Met him too. who fights for, I mean, he's a medical doctor. He, he's got his own practice. Um, actually, Chrissy uh, goes to him for uh, ear, nose, and throat. And, uh, you know, I trust Greg. I think Greg is a fighter. Greg will not be silenced at all, and he will. Greg will do the right thing. Now, does that mean that I'm going to agree with every single um, 
every every single thing Stephanie Lord or Greg Schmetti does or any other Republican up there? No. But, you know, people are like, Republicans seem to like eat their own. You know what? We do. We do. We do because we don't expect anything from the other side. And when they side with us or vote <coughs> with us, we're like, hey, thank you. Jacob Candelaria, Senator Jacob Candelaria, huge far lefty guy. He has gone after the governor. And I have publicly thanked, and him and I have major disagreements, but I'll publicly thank Jacob Candelaria when he does something that I think is good. But I don't expect the other side to do anything. But when they work with us, I'll thank him. I'll shake his hand. Hey, Jacob, I know we're not going to agree on probably, you know, nine out of ten things, but I, I want to say thank you for uh, standing up for, for that and, and uh, voting for that or voting against that. Um, so I expect conservatives to be conservatives and to serve the people and to be the pushback against uh, an overreaching and an intrusive government. Yeah, and, you know, the thing you mentioned is Republicans do sometimes eat their own. It's because we hold each other accountable. We don't circle the wagons around somebody when they're doing something that's wrong. We'll hold them accountable. We'll try to get rid of them, just like we've been trying to primary some of these rhinos. Yeah, you know, a prime example is um, I had a county assessor up there. He was a Republican, <coughs> and his name was— um, um, I don't even want to mention his name. You can look it up. But the guy has passed away now, and he didn't show up to work for a year. So I passed a resolution, three to two, that the, the one Democrat voted my way, the one Republican voted my way, but two Republicans, um, you know, didn't vote my way, uh, to send to um, to ask him to resign. He didn't come to work for a year, and he's collecting a paycheck of seventy-five thousand dollars and over a hundred thousand dollars in benefits. Sounds like some of these teachers. Right. But, you know, this is an elected official. How can you yeah. be serving the people if you are not working? Right. It, it didn't matter if you were. And I've gone after Dems up there, too. And, you know, this is why, you know, some people call me a rhino because um, Common Cause gave me an award. I don't know if you are familiar with that or not. No. So in 2018, when I passed an ethics ordinance, uh, they gave me an award and I've gone after some people on both sides. They gave me an award for uh, best in government uh, for, in, in, for transparency. Because uh, passing that ethics ordinance, uh, that's one of the things I'm very, very proud of in Sandoval County. And it's important because we have done a phenomenal job of making the government very professional up there. We hired a guy named Wayne Johnson as our county manager. We've put in place different procedures for procurement and bids. There's no more Patron system up there. The hiring practices have all been revamped. Um, we have this ethics ordinance that now finally holds people accountable, and I'm very, very proud of that. Okay. Mandates. What are you going to do about the mandates? Well, like I said earlier, in my first seven minutes, they're gone. Okay. Um, you know, uh, mask mandate, gone. Critical race theory. No, that's not a mandate, but that's gone. Uh, va forced vaccines, vaccine passports, uh, gone. Absolutely. Would you agree with me that these things are unconstitutional? Yes. That's, that's why I'd get rid of them. Okay. What about the things that are on the books that have allowed the governor to be a tyrant for the last couple of years? She's bypassed the court system. She's bypassed the legislature. She's basically been operating like a dictator for the last two years. What are you going to do to make sure that uh, no other governor can do that going forward? Well, first of all, you're completely wrong with your words uh, that she basically, uh, she is a dictator. 
Yeah. She, she has not followed the Constitution or her oath of office. And to me, those are impeachable offenses. Right. But you're not going to see that with the composition of, of no, the roundhouse. Not going to happen. We talked about this earlier with uh, HJR R6. Um, I, would, I would like to see a bill that limits the power of the government. Uh, the, the, well, yeah, the power of the government, too. You know, we've got a bill that we, that Stephanie Lord was bringing forward a while back, and I was actually on that meeting, on that Zoom meeting, in which we're trying to put forward a bill that would allow us to recall any politician I, I, in the state. Yeah, so I support that bill. Yeah. And then I also support the um, the bill that limits the power uh, of the governor. And it's, it's in my palm card uh, as well. It's one of the things, uh, the bullet points that I'm, I'm running on is— limiting the power of the governor because I'm a limited government type of guy. I'm a local government guy. I don't believe in big government. I don't believe in a lot of regulations. And um, I don't believe in a strong, uh, a real strong central government and a real strong governor that uh, can just run rough, you know, rough shit over everybody, which is what she's done. Okay. Um, friend of mine by the name of Joshua, you might know him. He's wanting to run for sheriff. Yeah. Okay. One thing that Joshua believes strongly in is this uh, bonding of uh, all political officials. Now, I agree with him on this, and, and I believe, he, from what he's saying, I haven't done a lot, dug in and done a lot of research on this, but he claims that this is something that is, uh, by law, it's required. And <clears throat> I was talking to Audrey about this the other day, yeah. and we were talking about, it's like, well, individual politicians don't want to get this because it makes them a target. And the problem is, is that it's not being enforced that all politicians have to do that. Now, if the p playing field was leveled and everybody had to be bonded as soon as they were elected and everybody was accountable, that would make people personally accountable for doing wrong things. You know, like, like I heard in, uh, I can't remember which state it was, that this one parent alone managed to shut down the school board and eliminate the mask mandates by bringing a suit against the people in, I'm not sure if it was the school board, anyway, the people that were responsible for enforcing these mandates. It doesn't matter who ultimately is putting, whoever's enforcing them ultimately, they got to take responsibility for it. So she brought a suit against their bonding insurance, their assurity bond, that uh, they were hurting the children. Well, when it all came out, she managed to single-handedly shut down the mask mandate in her school system. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I'm not an attorney, and I haven't looked deeply into that. I, I've talked to Josh a little bit on that issue. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you I'd be more than happy to talk to my county attorney on it. Now, I, I don't – when I was sworn in, I signed some documents after I was sworn in uh, to make everything official. Whether those were bonding documents, I don't know. Um, I will comply with the law because I took an oath to comply with the law. And if we're not complying um, up in Sandoval County, which I can control um, sort of as one of five commissioners um, on this issue to bring it forward to see if uh, we're actually complying with the law, I'll do that. But I, I really can't speak enough about it because I'm not an attorney. I really haven't looked into it. I know this is a real big issue for Josh, and I understand that and I respect that. But if if we're not complying with the law then then things have got to change we have to comply with the law because that's part of our oath right right uh gun laws unconstitutional mandates on guns uh, I, I i'm i'm personally i i take the literal 
interpretation of the Constitution when it says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That is very, very uh, direct. It means that shall, will not, absolutely cannot, without exception, and infringe means that you're interfering with someone's <coughs> right to have the gun of their choice, whatever that is. And that includes not having limitations on how many rounds you can have in your magazine or, or what type of gun you can have or whether it has a bump stock or, or any of this other nonsense. It says, shall not be infringed, which to me I take in a very literal sense. What's your opinion of that one? Well, let's make sure we get the words right because when it comes to the Constitution, words are critical and words yes, matter, are. right? So it's a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Mm -hmm. You know, this comes down to constitutional carry, in my opinion. Yeah. And I've been asked about this before. Do you favor constitutional carry? And I say, well, the criminals have constitutional carry. Why can't we? Yeah. They're carrying weapons. They are. They're breaking the law. They have constitutional carry. We, we do not. So I favor constitutional carry. I don't favor what California is doing on, you know, you can only buy so much ammunition, you know, this month or, or that month or whatever. Heck, they want to put serial numbers on the, am, on the ammunition no, and track every not. single bullet. That's the most ridiculous uh, thing I've ever heard. Yeah, That's I, infringement. I, I, I will not support that at all. Now, um, you know, I have a weapon. Uh, Chrissy and I were at dinner last night with a, another couple, and they have— uh, they have a fair amount of weapons that we were we were looking at there as well. Let's just say that I have more than one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, you have a right to bear arms. You have a right to protect yourself. And some of these, and this goes back to Stephanie Lord again. Stephanie Lord has been vital up there and holding back single-handedly damn near, uh, pushing back against some of these uh, unconstitutional gun laws. Yeah, she's big time and, pro second and, amendment. And this is not a gun friendly legislature, but this is a gun loving state. And I would argue that, you know, there's a lot of gun laws that have been passed in California and Washington DC and Chicago, and it hasn't made people safer, it's made people more unsafe. So your right to bear arms is critical to me, uh, not just because it's in the constitution, but it protects your life and the life of your family and friends. You know, I've seen some really ridiculous um, uh, laws that were proposed, one in Texas uh, by a Dem talking about um, you're not allowed to shoot somebody that comes into your house. Did you hear about this uh, law in Texas? You, you can't have your, in, you know, you have to have your, your ammunition separate and your gun locked up and you have to leave your house if, if someone comes in with a weapon. To, That's absolutely to, ridiculous. It's insane. But this is where these people... You might even make a case that that is unconstitutional because you have a right to secure your property, I would think. And I, and I believe, if, <coughs> if I remember right, I think there actually is something in the Constitution that mentions something like that. Right. Well, the, the other part, too, uh, with the red flag laws is it goes against uh, search and seizure and, and your due process. Because some of these red flag laws have uh, the police that show up at your house, like in Maryland, for instance, um, there has been law enforcement killed that have gone there to go take away somebody's weapons because somebody made an unsubstantiated complaint that they're a danger to themselves or others. 
And now you're talking about, you know, a lot of veterans might have some issues with PTSD, but I think some of these red flag laws are, are an attack on, on veteran rights to own a weapon. You know, I don't want to say veteran rights, their, their rights as Americans, but also who served as veterans to own, to own a, a firearm. So I'm a Second Amendment guy. I passed the Second Amendment um, Sanctuary County up in Sandoval County. Um, the NRA um, hasn't given me my score yet, but I'm waiting for my score. I'm sure I'm going to get a very, very high score from the NRA. Okay. Yeah, I'm a member of the NRA. So am I. Proudly. Yes, so, I yep, always so I. maintain that. What about the border? What do you think you could do about the border as governor? Lots of things. Um, I, um, two weeks ago, I was in Texas. I was in McAllen, Texas, and then I went to Roma, Texas. I heard about there. You were the, uh, Mike Miller was there. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mike uh, took us down to, um, it's a group called Veterans for America First. Uh-huh. And I went down there with them, and we came across, I think I told you, these unaccompanied children from uh, Guatemala and Honduras. We, we have to finish the wall. We just have to finish we the do. wall. There's, there's no, um, no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, I, I heard that apparently the Biden administration is preventing um, people that want to complete the wall, is preventing them from using the materials that have already been purchased that are out there laying on the ground. I, I've been there. I've been down in New Mexico and seen um, the materials down there. Um, I've talked to the ranchers and the farmers down there. I've talked to law enforcement down there. I've talked to the Border Patrol down there. Uh, it is a disaster uh, what's going on. So I will immediately send the National Guard uh, down to the border, but we need to, we need to do more. And uh, don't, don't hit me for this, but I think we need to create a, another government organization, a law enforcement one similar to what Arizona and Texas has, and, and basically, it's like a New Mexico border protection agency. And they're a law enforcement agency that works for the governor. And they're down specifically there as law enforcement to coordinate with local, county, state, and federal law enforcement. Uh, it, they're a, a great way to augment them because the state police aren't down there. The, the, sheriff, the deputies can't, can't do that. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the, local, the local police as well uh, can't enforce the border so and technically the national guard cannot constitutionally they carry cannot. firearms and use them on they, uh, our soil correct? they cannot but the guard can do a lot of things that the border patrol is doing related to any type of logistics uh secure sec, uh, sensor monitoring uh camera camera monitoring medical by the way a lot of these people coming over the border need medical attention i mean we have record numbers of people rebecca dying now because of the Biden policy that are dying out there, whether they're being, um, they're getting killed by the cartel or they're, they're young and, or old and they're not getting, you know, they're not in good shape or they're dying of thirst or hunger out there. No one knows they're there. Uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a huge humanitarian crisis in that, that border wall. And I talked to the, I talked to the guard, uh, the border patrol guy. And I'm like, Hey, uh, tell me, does this wall help? He's like, yeah, it actually helps because no one's driving through anymore like they used to drive through. The border is about 25 feet high. You can still... I've been down there and seen it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to climb. Right. It's oh, a, it's really a deterrent. But what people don't understand is layered security. It's more than just a wall. There's sensors on the wall. We have um, these, these balloons that the uh, Border Patrol put up with cameras. You have other technologies as well to help us make sure the border is secure. And the wall is the first line of defense. And there's, and if you go down there and you go by and you and you walk that area by the wall or you drive that little road that goes along the wall if you if you can, 
there's nothing going on there. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. I've seen that stretch a wall down in the uh, El, pa- El Paso area. Yeah. And I also, <coughs> down that one area where it was, uh, what was uh, Brian? that private group that uh, that they put together where they were taking private funding and filling in gaps in the wall. I saw down there where they built that one wall up that mountain that they said a, a wall couldn't be built on, yet they did it. It is. Yeah, and we saw along the uh, the Rio Grande um, uh, River in Texas uh, down there a couple of weeks ago, you actually saw the National Guards down there. You see snipers in the trees on the Mexican side. I mean, it is, it's a war zone down there. And when we were down there, um, a couple of people came across it because the river's not that not that deep and not that wide. Right, yeah, you can just wade and across it, can't yep, you? you can places. wade across it yeah. with, uh, this This guy came over, I, I couldn't see it was dark, and we had infrared, and the board, and the, uh, I think the National Guard actually picked these people up and said, no, get back across. Uh, but yeah, we saw that down there, and we saw what's going on with these unaccompanied children that are coming, that are coming across with, you know, different color bracelets uh, based on, you know, cartel activity. So tell me, I, this is something I thought about the other day. Do you think that uh, these politicians are on the take to allow this to happen? I think there are politicians that are probably on the take by the cartels to allow this to happen. You know, I don't know if they're on the take by the cartels, but, I, you know, I think uh, a lot of them maybe don't. I have to assume a lot of the people on the left really don't believe in open borders but they're getting funded campaign donations to stay in power, to think a certain way, to do, to vote a certain way. And this is why we need term limits here in the United States. We've got to have term limits in the House and the Senate. You know, people say, well, let the people speak. Let the people decide. Yeah, I get that. But the, the power of the incumbency is so great where we're reelecting, you know, state um, U.S. US reps and senators at well over 95% of the time because they're there just getting money and money and money from special interests. Go there for a very short period of time and get the hell out. And we have to do that the same in Santa Fe too with these state reps and state senators. I want term limits. I'm term limited as a county commissioner by two terms. I'm in my second term. Now, if I wasn't, would I run for a a third term? No, (laughs) no, no, I'm good. I'm there to get a job done, do my time and I'm, I'm gonna go home. Same thing as governor, the governor is two terms. Um, I would not want to be governor for longer than eight years. It's just enough. I, I, and the reason I say that is I want to always be connected to the people. And that's important as a, a public servant. Um, you know, I see my opponents that are raising more money than I am uh, from some, you know, some shady, uh, from shady packs, uh, things like that. I'm not going to do that. that. That's not me. You know, my support comes from the people. It's not coming from special interests. And that's why you have so many puppets that are there in office, whether it's Santa Fe or in Washington, D.C. or other capital, state capitals around, around the country. Okay. What about, and you kind of touched on that, I think, just a minute ago, as far as transparency, if you were governor, yeah. how would you be out there to interact with the people you know trump he he was out there on twitter every single day he was tweeting every day and people got so annoyed by his tweets i loved his tweets honestly it's like i i liked that he was always keeping us in the loop on everything he was doing so how would you be a transparent governor yeah Uh, once again i 
vehemently disagree with you because when you started off with, you know, if you're elected, that's not true. I, I am going to be elected. Okay. So let's, let's, you know, words matter. Um, you know, I, I, I like a positive attitude, by the way. I, you know, you have seen my Twitter. I think you've seen me on Facebook. I'm very transparent. Yeah. Um, as governor, I will be extremely transparent. This is a governor who will not do interviews with certain people. In fact, I was just talking to, um, I'm going down to Lovington tomorrow. Right. And um, a guy named Tom, who works for W105 down there, was uh, trying to get in on the governor's um, one of her events. And he was not allowed because he's a conservative radio guy. And they said, no, you're not invited. Uh, and this governor has shunned numerous media interviews as well. Uh, I won't do that. But what I really want to do, because I've been so shaped by local government, is myself and the lieutenant governor. Um, I want to make sure that we go around to county commission meetings, to city council meetings, village council, town council meetings, and we sit at those council meetings and we discuss, hey, this is what we're trying to get done in Santa Fe, and this is why we think it's good at the local level, because we've talked to local government. I am deeply, deeply shaped by local government, and I'm going to bring that attitude into Santa Fe, and I've been very transparent as a county commissioner. Um, I have gone out of my way to um, promote small businesses as a county commissioner. I've done numerous uh, things there. I mean, Common Cause has given me an award for transparency. Um, I, it's very important that you have a governor that is, is visible out there, whether it's social media or whether it is traditional media or whether it's just out and about um, meeting the people. And, and that's one of the things that I think uh, why my campaign is doing extremely well is I'm out there. I'm not just sitting in the back of a room, you know, waiting for people to come up to me. I'm, I'm out shaking hands. Hey, where are you from? What's your name? Tell me what, what's your major issue. What are you looking for in a gubernatorial candidate? You know, like, well, I'm your guy. Okay. I like that. It's good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll give you, like, three minutes. Why don't you just sum up everything you want to do as governor when you're elected well <laughs> you know so we talked about my first seven minutes i i really that's important to me because i want to breathe some freedom back into the state where people are like wow this guy he just he did what he said he was going to do and this is why my campaign is doing very very well because i'm the only one that doesn't talk in platitudes i talk in specifics you know i i, I will do whatever it takes to get the legislature to pass uh, Social Security, uh, not stop taxing our Social Security. It's got to happen. This governor hasn't pushed it. She pushed a special session for marijuana. I'll push it for that. I'll push it for veterans' pensions. I'm going to push it for law enforcement, what I want to do for law enforcement. I want to get that task force together for small businesses and go through the rules and regulations. I want to talk to the oil and gas industry, the renewable energy industry, the movie industry, and spaceport, because I am not a subsidy type of guy. If we're paying in subsidies right now and losing money, I want, I want it to stop. We've got to renegotiate it because Spaceport, uh, they support uh, one candidate who's a state rep who's very tied to Spaceport, and it's been a huge burden on the taxpayer. The movie industry, we lose over 50 cents on the dollar on, that, on the uh, subsidies for the movie industry. I'm not going to support any subsidies that put the New Mexico taxpayer in the red. That has to stop. We need to revamp our education. We have to... Um, we have to focus um, on infrastructure. Again, local government, 
I like to focus on infrastructure, jobs, education. That's what I want to focus on as governor. This governor has expanded state government, not just rules and regulations, but has expanded the number of employees tremendously in a lot of recurring programs. What, what happens when the oil and gas industry bottoms out? How are you going to pay for, for all that recurring spending? I like targeted investment into infrastructure. I love that. We're going to shut the border down. We're going to secure it. We're going to make sure that we stop this humanitarian crisis uh, that comes through. You know, as at a Republican Governors Association uh, in Phoenix, and we were talking to governors from Wyoming, Nebraska, Ohio, New Hampshire, and they all said one thing that really resonated with me. Every state is a border state because the issues that come through New Mexico affect everybody, whether it's, you know, in Georgia or Nebraska or Wyoming because it's drugs, it's trafficking, it's all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, th those are just some of the things that I know we're short for time, but that I want to get into. No, it's good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. So I had a little letter here that a good friend of mine, Melanie, wrote, and it's to the truckers. So I'm going to read it. And uh, so all you truckers out there that may be listening to this, this is for you. Dear truckers and other heroes of the Canadian Freedom Convoy, it would be impossible for me to put into words how grateful I feel for what you are doing. I watch the videos of you moving across Canada and filling Ottawa and cry in relief and gratitude. Even though the tyrants who are trying to enslave the world, including Justin Trudeau, want to censor the news of what you are doing. There are millions of us across the globe watching the sacrifice you and your families are making. That sacrifice is for every single person on the planet, whether they understand the importance of what you are doing or not. It's even for those who have lost their way as humans and try to strike you down out of profound ignorance and cruelty. You are the essence of peace and bravery decency, humanity, and love. It is God's work you are doing, however we each understand God. Your leadership says that love is true and fear is not. It says that freedom will not bend to the tyranny of fear, which shows up in this moment by robbing your fuel, keeping food away from you, and threatening you with jail time, outrageous fines, and blocking you from leaving Canada. As you're telling us, this tyranny is rampant all over the world as vaccine and mask mandates and the cult of what is mistakenly called public health. You, you show us that threats and fear tactics like these do not happen ever in a free country or a free world. These actions make it obvious that our so-called leaders are working to rob us and more importantly, our children, of our freedom across the world for all time. Your actions teach us that this rollout of tyranny must be stopped now. God bless you and your families. You are heroes, every single one of you. Whatever happens now in this Canadian standoff, whatever you need to do next for yourselves and your families, you have blazed a light across the sky for all of us. At this moment and into the future, now we just need to follow your lead. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I honor you. 
Melanie, American neighbor and freedom sister. And I totally agree. Truckers, you are setting an example. You are inspiring people. You are showing that you have to sacrifice if you want to have freedom sometimes. Our founding fathers certainly did that. Some of them gave everything for freedom. Well, I, I would argue that I think we had 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, and many of them lost their lives or family members. They uh, did. For the War of in, uh, for Independence. And when you hear about these truckers um, in the letter, you know, these, these, they're not truckers. They're patriots. They are. And they're not standing up for themselves. They're standing up for uh, their country and those unborn Canadians because they want, they want freedom for, for their fellow countrymen, even for those that are not born yet. And I think that's the way I like to look at it. I remember, um, you know, President Lincoln talked about the Emancipation Proclamation, the 13th, 14th Amendment, about how it would, um, it's going to affect millions of unborn Americans for, for generations. And he was absolutely right. And that's what, they, that's what they're doing. That's how I look at it. Well, they're affecting uh, the next generation coming up. Look at what they're doing to them. They're making them wear masks. They're mm -hmm. making them socially handicapped. Some of these kids that are three, four years old, they've maybe been wearing a mask almost their entire life. Imagine that. Yeah, they don't know anything else, and it's really uh, has, has not, has stunted their development, especially uh, for those kids, those young kids that have hearing issues that need to see your, your face and read your lips. Um, you know, there was a study that came out that said speech issues are up 350% nationwide for kids because of the mask. And, you know, there's also, I don't like to breathe in my own CO2. Um, I don't either, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Uh, in those masks, th that blue cloth mask, it doesn't work because on the box, it even says for general purpose. Not and it says made in China. Yeah, it says not for medical <laughs> use. So this this whole thing is a, it's it's really I don't know if you want to call it a joke or a scam or whatever, but you know, if if you're gonna drill into people's head, follow the science, then this this mask doesn't work. Because how many times have you been in uh, stores or places where even the workers are they get their mask down, you know, their nose is exposed and they're just wear it's just stupid. I mean, right. they're just wearing it to wear it over their mouth when their nose is exposed. Or people walking around with it, people, with it on their chin. That's exactly. Like, <laughs> it's how, like, see, I'm wearing my mask. It's like, it doesn't do anything anyway, so why does it and, matter where I wear it? And we as humans, we touch everything. We touch our face roughly almost, I think, 2,000 times a day right. we touch our face. And our hands are really not that clean, to be honest with you, as I reach over here and touch Chrissy's hand. <laughs> but, you know, you have an immunity system. That's really, and exposure to germs actually makes your immune system stronger. Yeah, yeah I, it's just, I, I really appreciate uh, that letter from, uh, from Melanie to the truckers because uh, I know some truckers have lost their jobs. They uh, have. Because of this. I mean, they've sacrificed their livelihood because of this, and these are people that you'll never know who their names are, but we should honor them. And I really honor not just those truckers, but people around the world who have demonstrated, you know, we've seen it in Europe, we've seen it in Australia, we, you know, I, I wish we'd see it more here in the United States because I think what floors me more than anything is, and I really didn't think I'd ever see this, is that Americans have just given up their rights with just here. Okay, government, if this is what you say, okay. I mean, without question. 
And it's really scary without, I hate to say firing a shot because, you know, you don't want to give up your rights because, I mean, you know, a lot of people died for our rights. But I say that metaphorically that, you know, we kind of gave up our rights without firing a shot. Yeah. And we just gave them up like not even with a whimper. I, I can't even, I, I'm surprised every day by that. It's like I didn't realize that the United States could roll over that easy. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm, I struggle with that every day because I'm so disappointed. It's like, yeah. I, God, what if we ended up in an actual war? How many people would roll over and give in then? Well, and I'll just say this lastly. Um, the older generation, the boomer generation, I'll say that grew up in the that 60s. That would be me. Okay, they grew up in the 60s like my parents. Um, you know, so, so many people have like like Neil Young have just bought into this. Like, you know, these are the same people who demonstrated against the government, don't trust anybody over 30. Now they're in their 60s and 70s and they're like, "Oh no, you got to this this you got to trust the government." And then young people, to me, young people should be like, "I'm not listening to my parents. I'm not listening to you. I don't trust you." Right. And they are all in on this as well. I don't it, get it. I really don't. And and you know, we're starting to see more and more data come out uh, that shows that the lockdowns were were not healthy uh for your physical health your your spiritual health and your mental health and you're seeing that the masks don't work on different studies you're seeing the vaccines aren't working everything they told us that they're going to do to control and, and end the virus has not worked out at all and um i think people are seeing it but i'll tell you what society is going to suffer for years of the immoral decisions that governments have made yes they are against the people we're running out of time thank you so I just want to finish off by saying there was a quote by Benjamin Franklin where he said, those who give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. When you comply with unconstitutional, unlawful mandates, you are granting the government authority. People following orders and disregarding their duty to protect constitutional rights, you need to do your part. So, do you own a freedom-friendly business? Advertise on this station and support this show and many others like it. Want to send me comments or suggestions? Email me at beccamarienm at gmail.com. You can also check out my posts on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, and Telegram. Freedom Speak with Becca Marie. Freedom is essential. Liberty and freedom are rights, not privileges. It's time to stand up and tell the Marxists and those that are helping to push their agenda, hell no, we won't comply. We are the resistance. See you next week. <laughs>